We have been uh, looking together for the last several weeks in the scriptures, and I want you to turn there again with me to the book of um, 1 Timothy, chapter 3. You can also find the book of Acts, chapter 9. 1 Timothy 3, Acts, chapter 9. Let me read to you again what Paul wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, he said to him in verse 14, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We've looked at this verse for, I don't know, five, almost six weeks in a row here. And with every passing week, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of me. I realize more and more the, the weightiness of what the Spirit of God was saying through Paul as he wrote to this young pastor. Listen to it again. I'm writing so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself specifically where? In the house. Somebody say in the house. In the house of God, which is the church. It's the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. We're going to keep going in our study of this today, but let me make mention of this to you before we move on. Uh, the, the last time I came to you, uh, that was a, a recorded message, a recorded service that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And we did that so we could begin to break down all the equipment and begin the transition into here. We actually recorded that before the election the United States presidential election before the results and all of that. So I wasn't able to make much comment to you on it then. And I won't say too much about it right now, except to say this, that no matter what the outcome was, what the outcome is, as we still watch it all unfold, I want to encourage you and remind you that no matter what happens politically in this nation, you and I are still the church. Mm. God is still God. The word is still true. And we are still the church. And according to this scripture, what the church is, is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And there are a lot of people losing their minds over this election. I was on the phone yesterday or actually texting with a friend uh, who pastors in another state and he kind of checks in uh, every week and says, what are you teaching this week? And we talk back and forth a little bit about it. He's preaching a message today called relax <laughs> and it's all about the election. Relax. And I felt like that was a good word. Relax. Well, how can you relax when things are in such turmoil? Because God is still God. I, and the, and the, it wasn't even close. The election wasn't even close. He's still God by a landslide. Mm -hmm. The word is still true. But as much as God is God and as much as the word is true, you and I are the church. Mm -hmm. And I think what we have to be watchful over, as much as we want godly people in authority, the word says when the godly rule, the people rejoice. We want that. We pray for that. We vote for that as much as we have the option to. But we can never be guilty of looking to political office and government to act like the church. Mm -hmm. They never will mm -hmm. because we are. And it's the church's job to be the church. Mm -hmm. It is not the president of the United States job to be the church. Mm -hmm. It's the church's job to be the church. And we can't wait for the government to sign into law or out of law what we want. If there's something uh, in, in the realm of social law and social justice that doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't care who's in office. Church, be the church. And you can have an effect on it. And what we are and who we are, according to the word, is the pillar and the ground Amen. of the truth. And people in this world who are starving for the truth and looking for it need to know that this is where they come to find it. It's found in no other place. It's found in the word of God and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to know how to conduct ourselves, Sarah, in the house of God. Because if we are the pillar and the ground of truth, that makes us special. That means you can find something here that you can't find in the world around you. That makes this place unique. That makes this place special. Mm -hmm. 
in the eyes of God and in the place that it holds in the world. And as such, we need to know how to conduct ourselves in this place. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. That means they were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Other translations say that the congregations grew larger and larger as a result of them walking in this reverential fear and awe of God and in the comfort, the empowerment, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. This is our church growth strategy. Listen to it again. This is our church growth strategy. We're going to find out from the word how to conduct ourselves in this place. And when we do and we act in accordance with that, the promise and the result we see is that the church congregation grows and it grows and we're multiplied. And you've heard us say it before, but Sarah, let me say it again. We are not a church and will not be a church that strives to be as casual as we can. We're looking to the word to set that standard of reverence and honor for God and for the things of God. And of course, that doesn't mean that we're just serious all the time and somber and no fun to be around. That's not what reverence is. It's just the acknowledgement, number one, there is a God and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And we've been building on this for the last number of weeks. And if you've missed any of that, I encourage you to go back to the Legacy Church podcast, get caught up with this. I don't want to take time to recap all of it today. Um, I, I want to give as much time as I can right now to Sarah because earlier this week, just a few days ago, we got together as a staff uh, and we, we pray together every morning. But on Thursdays, we spend a little more time. And that's something that the Lord put on Sarah's heart. Uh, it's been several months ago now that especially in preparation for the launch and the opening of the church that we dedicate some more time to praying, praying in the spirit, mm -hmm. spending time in the word and finding out what God wants going on in this church. I told her last night standing in the kitchen, I've had to watch over something in my own soul. I feel a little bit like, uh, like a young couple that's getting married and the wedding day is getting closer and closer and closer. But how many times have we seen people focused more on on the wedding than the marriage. Have you seen that before? I mean, where people get so excited about the wedding, they forget that there's a marriage that comes after that and it lasts a lot longer than the wedding does. And I don't wanna be guilty of focusing more on the building than I do the actual church. And so what we've been doing on Thursdays is taking that time, time that we could be painting, time that we could be cleaning, but instead we're seeking the Lord and praying to find out what he wants going on in here because more important than a building are the people that fill it. Mm -hmm. And the Lord put something on Sarah's heart this past week. And as she spoke, we just were right down here at the altar and she spoke in the presence of God filled this place. Just moments later, I mean, I found myself just laid out on the floor and uh, just letting the Lord talk. And I felt like what she had to say was so significant, uh, not just for this church, but where we are in it right now, mm -hmm. in the series that we're in about reverence, on the rise, the rise of reverence in this place and how that, that acts as an open door mm -hmm. to the presence of God in this place. Our mm -hmm. honor for him is the door through which he manifests mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. And the more wide that door is open, the more he can pour himself through it. Mm -hmm. And that means the, the, the greater we learn to honor and reverence him, the more he can manifest himself in this church. So I want to give as much time as I can for Sarah to, mm -hmm. to speak what's in her heart concerning this. And I want to remind you, those of you who are watching today, that um, this church has been in her heart for a long time. Uh, tears, tears have been shed. Don't make me cry. Over this place. <laughs> uh, for years, we would sit in the living room and look at each other and say, where's our church? hungry for a place, most especially for our children, right? Mm -hmm. Our babies got to have a place to grow up in. They got to have a place to serve the Lord. They got to have a place to encounter him. And we've prayed over this and sought the Lord over this. And I, honestly, I, all those years ago, I would tell her, it's, got, it's close, it's got to be close, it's got to be close. And uh, little did I know, <laughs> I mean, it was maybe 10 years away at that time, but it got here quick. And here we are. Amen. So Thank you, Lord. Let, let, I want to turn it over to you and, and just let you go with what uh, the Lord's been talking to you about. Well, Thursday morning in prayer, like you said, we 
You know, sometimes the Lord will just give you one word. And if you'll meditate on it and you'll ask him, Lord, what are you trying to show me? He'll reveal to you. If you begin to look at scriptures with that word in it, he'll begin to reveal to you some things that maybe you haven't seen in a new light. And I kept hearing this word for a week or two in my heart every day. And it was the word access. I thought, okay, access. Why, what's important to you, Father, about this word? And um, so I went to look up some scriptures. I'm going to read those to you this morning. And this is in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is verse, um, I'm sorry, this is Ephesians chapter two, verse 17 through 19. It says, and he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near for through him, we both have access, access by one spirit to the father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. How awesome is that? Because in Jesus, we have direct access to the Father. And I want to mention something that showed up in that verse. And it's also in what we've been looking at in Timothy, that we are the house of God. He said that you would know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. And that's important. I want us to make note of how many times that comes up today about the house, the house. of God. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And as I read this, I thought about the access that has been given to us through Jesus, that he made a way for us to come boldly before our Father, before the throne of grace at any time, in any place, we have direct access. And um, as over the years, as I have thought about giving God, uh, me having access to God, I've also thought about the other side of that mm -hmm. and what it, what it means for God to have access yeah. to me, Amen. for Him to have access into my life. And um, I've just thought about over and over, like what that really means to open myself up to him, what it means to give him full reign in my life, to move and to have his way, you know? And um, as I thought about this week, you know, uh, we had a, there's a guy that's been working in our church. He's a part of our church and um, he had told me that he felt like the Lord was dealing with him to put God's things first and to be here and to serve and help with construction. And this all came up, I think, out of, after thinking about his testimony. But he has some major legal stuff that was starting to come up in, um, in his, like, the last couple weeks and with his job. And some, you know, just some people were coming against him. And you know what he said? He said, you know what? I'm going to go to the church and I'm going to put God's things first. I'm going to put the house of God first. So he was down here every day serving God and just believing God for help. And I remember I was talking to my brother about this, but we thought about how powerful it is when you um, come and serve God and you access him by seeking him, seeking first the kingdom of God, how it's a two-way street. He gets access to your life, mm -hmm. access to all areas of your life. And you know, you can give God as much access as you want to give him. You can give him a little bit or you can give him a lot. And so I, I begin to think about how powerful that is that we would give God full access. And um, <laughs> do you want to say something about this no, with the house ahead. of God no, or anything? That's right. um, and over the, the last um, few days, I've thought about what it means to access God on a deeper level. And, and I remembered to my teenage years and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the world right now. As long as we are living on this earth, there will be temptations. There will be a pull and a draw to the flesh or to the things of the world. And this past week, I've just been praying and meditating on what it means to to, to give God more of myself and to give his kingdom more in his house, in his things. 
to, to that, it, that would be the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning, that he would be the last thing before I go to bed at night. And, um, and I, I had this thought, I remember this scripture and um, I'm trying to think of the, um, see if I can find it. Um, it's the friendship with the world. Mm-hmm. I don't see it on here. Um, I remember this in first John two fifteen. Um, let's see. No, the, the friendship with the world is enmity with mm-hmm. God. Um, James chapter four, verse one through eight. Um, and here it talks about being a friend of God and being a friend of the world and how you can't do both. It says that, um, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world cannot be a friend of God or will be an enemy of God. And to me, I just begin to think about what it means to be fully consecrated and set apart for the use of God and to be used for him and him alone and what that looks like. And if so, so many people watching right now and that so many people that are called to this church are also called to ministry and to that life, that what real holiness is, it's being set apart and used specifically for the work of God, being a vessel of honor for the use of God and God alone. And um, as I prayed about this, I was remembering this story from when I was younger um, when I was in high school and college, I was a praise and worship leader at my church. I, I sang and I played and ministered to the college ministry, to the children's ministry, the youth in youth. And I served God faithfully week after week after week. I knew from the time I was a little girl, my grandma has a picture of me standing on probably three years old on a, a little podium. I'm standing there with my Bible, with my hands lifted, my eyes closed, and I am preaching a, a house of fire like three, four years old. But I knew back then that God was calling me into the ministry and that he was calling me into something that was uh, set apart for his use and for his glory. And um, is this what you want me to tell this story? Okay. (laughs) Um, If you have something else on your mind, you can go ahead. Um, But I, I just had this, this, this desire and this overwhelming thing on the inside to serve God with my life, that my life was going to be set apart for him. And so in high school and college, my, I ministered and served in my church in these areas and praise and worship. And, and I um, did this, this, um, this one thing called the Timothy Project where I, would, I was learning to teach the word. I knew it was called to teach. And, um, but then at the same time, I also had to get a job. You know, I was 15, 16. And then I, as I was in college, one of my jobs, what I did was I modeled and um, it was a, a, I made a lot of money and it was really appealing for um, that age. When I was that age, I mean, I, I got to dress up in pretty clothes. I got to get my makeup done. I got to go to different cities. I got to, um, you know, there was a lot of draw to that type of job and, um, and I remember like it went on for years that I, I enjoyed it. I had fun doing it and um, it was fun for a season. And um, I also at the time had, was dating a guy for quite a while who I thought was probably um, the person I was going to marry and he was like, you know, good looking, the guy that everybody wanted to date. Um, a great person. I just knew something. I came to this cross in the roads. I would, I would say it's the cross roads of spirit and flesh where I came to this point and I knew that if I'm going to go any further with this job or with this relationship, I just had this knowing it wasn't God's best for my life. And if I did that, I was going to compromise something he had for me and his plan and his call on my life. And I remember I had this opportunity, I was signed with a modeling agency in Arkansas, and then I had an opportunity to sign one with Dallas, in Dallas. And so I went down there to do a photo shoot 
and we were getting to the place where they had to do pictures and those pictures were going to be compromising on the inside what I knew to be holiness for me. And then I came to a point where they said, well, we're going to have to send you to Europe and you're going to need to do some things there and you need to sign with this agency. And in order to do that, you're going to have to do this. And I just came to the place where I knew that I was right up at that crossroads and I had to make a choice and I needed to know, uh, Lord, am I going to follow your plan for my life? Am I going to be set apart, holy? consecrated for your use and the call of God on my life? Or was I going to go this other way, which for me was going to look like the world? And, um, and so I came to that crossroads of the world, being friends with the world, and then what it meant to be in, in deep friendship with the Lord or intimacy with the Lord. And I realized for the first time in my life, I can't be intimate with the world and intimate with God. There was no way to do it, no way to, to walk that out. And um, so I remember saying to the Lord, I'm going to lay down this relationship. I'm going to lay down this job. And the amazing thing was at the time, it had to have been the strength of the Lord to help me do that, really or the grace of God, because, um, sorry, I'm going to cry because this is like a really, I think it's one of those points in life where you come to, and it, it's a make or break. Like if I had gone that way, I would not be living. I would not be here today with a church, a new church. We would not, I wouldn't have Jeremy. I wouldn't have Justice and Jesse. I would not have the blessing of the Lord. I work on my life if I had chose um, to walk out that other, the world's path for me. And so all I have to say, um, I said to the Lord, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go your way. And I don't see it yet. I didn't know who I was going to marry. Jeremy hadn't come into my life. I didn't have any open opportunities in the ministry. I had nothing. It was it was just me and God and a decision, a, a conscious, conscious um, critical moment of decision, a choice. You know, I think about in the Old Testament where God said to his people, I set before you life and death. Yeah. And then he cries out to them, choose life, choose life. God is all about life and abundant life, and the best life, and the blessed life. And he says, choose life so that why? You and your descendants shall live. I didn't even know who my descendants were yet. I didn't even know who my family was yet. But he says, choose life. And so in that moment of decision, I came to that crossroads, a spirit of flesh, and I'm so thankful I chose the spirit. But after that, not long after that, I went to my grandma's house to visit her. And she is a praying woman. Yeah. She is a woman of God. Love you, Mimi. We love you, Mimi. And, um, and she just is very sensitive to the things of God and sensitive to know when to pray, especially for me. <laughs> she prayed for me all growing up. And one day I came to her house and she said, Sarah, I have been in prayer for you. And, um, and the Lord has given me a vision of you. She was down in her floor in the living room praying. And the Lord gave her a vision of me. And she said, I saw you in this great big field of flowers. And you were dancing and you were singing all the way through this field, just as happy as I have ever seen you. And you came up to this day, you, the way she described it was, I was like, la, 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 happy, happy, free, dancing all the way through the field of flowers. And then I got to this ginormous gate and there were two angels standing at the end of these two gates. And the Lord spoke to her and he said, Sarah has passed these three tests of mine. And she said, really? Three tests? And he said, yes. 
She's past the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I realized all those things that I had just given over to the Lord and consecrated myself, set myself apart for the work of the ministry, all those other things that looked good, that seemed good to my flesh, that I could have had and, and wanted and, and could have enjoyed, because of making a decision, a quality decision, to go God's way and not the way of the world, it pleased the Father. And then she said in the vision, um, all of a sudden the doors flung open wide and I danced through those open doors. To me, that was God saying, I have full access to your life. And me having full access to him. And I just went dancing through those doors and the Lord spoke to her so clearly and said, Sarah was created for my glory. She was created for my glory. And I think about how powerful it is to set yourself apart. And only you and I can do this for God and God alone and for his glory. And what a special honor that is. And so I danced through those doors. <laughs> and not long after that, did I have so many doors open to me in ministry within the next couple of years? I mean, I, I moved to, um, to be a part of a new church and I had open doors opportunities there. Not long after that, I married Jeremy. We went into full-time ministry. We started traveling all over the world and ministering the gospel. But I can never forget that moment, that critical moment where I came up to that crossroads of spirit and flesh. And I had to make the choice, am I going to give God full access to my life? Am I going to give him all access? And I'm so thankful I did because today I'm living the blessed life that I could only see back then by faith. I didn't see it all then, but it was so much more worth it to walk with God, to be a friend with God, and to give up friendship with the world, mm -hmm. to walk with God. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. Sarah started a moment ago to tell you about uh, the man in our church who's been serving. And this has been astounding to watch. Um, like, like Sarah said, the Lord dealt with he and his wife and their children to come be a part of this. And there was a stirring going on in them in the months leading up to the time where we announced we were coming here. And, and they felt like there was something. And sometimes that's all you know. There's just something stirring on the inside of you. That doesn't mean it's time to run and jump. That doesn't mean it's time to make a move. That just means it's time to pay attention. If you remember a couple of weeks ago in church, in, in talking about how practically we fear the Lord and reverence Him, one of the ways we do that beyond just saying, oh Lord, I worship you, I worship you, is to actually pay attention, mm -hmm. to treat His Word like it's worthy, to treat His Word like it's a command, and to just pay attention. And that's what they were doing in the weeks and months leading up to the time where we announced we were coming here to start a church. And then when they heard that, the Lord said, that's your move. And so they moved their family to come be a part and they've been, they plugged in and volunteered. Well, meanwhile, like Sarah said, there was some, there were some things going on on a job that he had had. And, and um, we've asked them to write this whole glory story for you. And that we'll tell it to you in greater detail later. But um, man, there were some folks that were really coming after him for tens of thousands of dollars. And it wasn't right. But instead of getting angry and instead of fighting that, uh, instead of trying to meet that need on their own, what he decided to do was take, I don't know, almost a whole month off of work, I think, and just come to the church and serve. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that makes no sense, mm -hmm. but it does make faith. Mm -hmm. When the Lord tells you, go do this, what you're doing, when he says, let, let zeal for my house consume you, what you're doing is opening wide that door mm -hmm. and flinging that door of honor wide open and allowing him access. to pour himself through access. Mm -hmm. Now we know this, just like Sarah ministered, we have access to him. We have access by faith to all that grace. But what you also want is God with access to you. 
You want, you want God with access to your physical body? If he needs to fix and adjust and change or heal, yes, you do. Do you want God, do you want him to have access to your finances, to your home, to your relationships? Well, the only way to give him that access is through this open door of honor. And that's what this gentleman and his family did. They came and they just served and they've been serving and they've been serving and they've been serving. And what, a week or two ago, he walked in and he just kind of caught my eye. And I thought, you look different today. You look lighter. What's going on? And he said, well, I got a glory story. And he began to tell us how in a moment of time that he and his wife were praying and faith rose and he got a word from the Lord through his wife and they made a faith claim on what they were believing God. And within, I think it was 24, 48 hours, the money they needed was there. It was a fraction a fraction of what they t were told they were going to have to have. They had been threatened with lawsuits and it was all gone. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Mm -hmm. Somebody gave God access yeah. to their life. Mm -hmm. That's what Sarah's story is. That's what that vision was all about. Mm -hmm. And what your grandmother said, you passed that test, the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That comes from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I think it's the message translation that says, love for the world squeezes out love for the Father. In other words, there's not room in you for both. Now you can kid yourself. You can deceive yourself into thinking, oh, I'm all good with God. Me and God, we good. I love him. We're, we're all good. While you live in the world, while you pursue the things of the world, while you fall in love with your own self and your own stuff and your own plan. And you can tell yourself, I'm good with God and he's good with me and everything I'm doing. But the scripture is clear about it. You cannot love him and love the things of this world. He said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that is in the world, this is everything the world has, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God. That's just another way of saying you love God. Jesus said that in John chapter 14. We've looked at this verse together. But he said this in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. Now, again, you can, you can kid yourself and try to fool everybody around you. I love God. But if you ain't doing what he said to do, mm -hmm. there's no evidence. There's no proof of that love. Mm -hmm. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He went on in verse 21 to say, he who has my commandments... Well, that's the first part right there. You got to have them. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you come into possession of his commandments? It's through the word. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a living relationship yeah. with this living word, then you don't have his commandments. And if you don't have his commandments, you can't keep his commandments. And if you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love him. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to be so bold about it, but we're running out of time here. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me, listen to this, will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Sarah, this whole series that we've been in, the rise of reverence, all of it comes from this motivation and this hunger for more of him. Yeah. And that's what we want in this church. That's what we want, not just in this house, but in your house, more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. Tell me, what, what are you facing in life right now? What difficulty, what challenge, what, what impossible situation are you looking down the barrel of right now that could not be fixed with more of Jesus? There's not one. That's the answer to all of it, more of a manifestation of Jesus. And what I, what I want us to notice in the last few minutes here today is how this manifestation of him is connected to our love for him. And our love for him, that's, that's another way of saying our honor, yeah. our reverence. 
and how it's connected to his love for us. The manifestation of Jesus in this church will happen because this church loves him. Loves him. We love him. We love him more than the world. We love him more than the things of the world. We don't, we're not looking to see how much we can look like the world and sound like the world and act like the world. No, we don't want friendship there. We want friendship here. Mm -hmm. And we want the manifestation of Jesus that comes pouring through that open door of love and honor. But listen to what the scripture goes on to say. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. And I understand his question because as long as you think of a manifestation of Jesus or a manifestation of the presence of God is this outward display of burning fire and these, these spectacular things, then you will miss the supernatural. But that's what this disciple's going, how are we gonna see it and not them? And Jesus is answering him and says, if anyone loves me, see, it's going right back to our love for God and the access that our love for him gives him to us. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. We will come to him. Now notice this and make our home with him. Mm -hmm. I told you a moment ago that we were going to focus in on that today, make our home. He would make our home or his home with us. We're talking about how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. Um, In the Amplified Bible, it says the person, Jesus said, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. You You could say there who actually loves me. Not just the person who says, love you, Jesus, but the one who has his commands and keeps them. That's the one who actually loves him. And whoever really or actually loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. This is what that means. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Can God, can Jesus be more real to you now than he's ever been? Yeah, he can. Do you want that? I want that. We want that. We want manifestations of Jesus in this house. How do we get there? It would be easy to think, well, you know, God's God. If he wants to show up, he'll show up. Wrong. Wrong. There are a lot of places, most of the world, where God is not on display, where he's not in manifestation. Why? Why wouldn't he be? And it seems as though like if we were God, it seems like we would be ready and willing to to prove ourselves, especially to a defiant world who's holding the fist in the air going, prove yourself, prove to me there's a God and I'll believe. And it it seems like, you know, if I was God, well, that's the guy I'd prove myself to because I want him to believe. But that's not how this works. As a matter of fact, it's that defiance. It's that hard heartedness and that anger that's keeping him hidden from most of the rest of this world. Who gets to see him? The ones that love him. Mm -hmm. The ones that love him. If any man loves me, I'll love him and I'll manifest myself to him. And that's what we want on the rise in this church. Mm -hmm. Sarah and I were spending the day yesterday just before the Lord praying, getting ready for church today. And I was listening to our pastor, brother Keith Moore. And I I was on my headphones and I took them off. I was like, babe, you've got to hear this. And he gave this illustration and I want to share it with you today. He said, you know, your heart is a lot like your house. And he said, there are people and relationships in your life where somebody is allowed to the front porch of your house, right? And you could have somebody come up to the front porch of your house that you don't even know. Some, some stranger, somebody off the street could come to the front porch of your house, knock on the door and you open and you stand there and you have a conversation. But if you don't know them, that's about as far as you're willing to let them go. Mm-hmm. Just there to the outside. Then you've got other people in your life who you know better, right? And when they come, the doors open and they come in. And maybe they're allowed into the living room and you you spend a little time together and you talk and you get to know each other a little bit, but that's as far as they go. And yet you've got other people in your life, 
closer relationships. Here's the key word, closer. Because you're closer with them, you allow them more access. They don't just come to the front door. They don't just come to the living room. Now they're, now they're in the kitchen. Now you're sitting down to a meal with each other. Now you're spending an evening just in, in conversation that flows and you're laughing and you're crying and you're telling stories and, and they're allowed that much access into your home. And yet there is another level of relationship and it's that husband and it's that wife relationship and nobody but your spouse has access to the bedroom. Nobody has access but that person. Jesus said this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. He said, I'll have a meal with him. I'll be like that relationship where we can sit down together and we can commune with each other. But Sarah, I sense it so strong in my heart that there are so many people and maybe even some watching that you left Jesus on the front porch. Mm -hmm. He's just standing out there. Mm -hmm. What's he saying? I want more access. I want to enter in past the front door. I want to go past that that surface level relationship with you. I, I want to I have something deeper even than just sitting in the living room. I want to sit at the table with you. I want to commune with you. I want to talk with you. And what Sarah read earlier out of the book of James, he went on to say this in chapter four. He said, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You know what he's saying? Why are you cheating on God? He's supposed to be the one with the access, with all access to the deepest places, the secret places. He's supposed to be the one with the access to the most intimate places. And what Sarah did as a young woman standing at that crossroads of spirit and flesh, whether she knew it in these terms or not, what she was saying was, I want to be in friendship with you. Lord, I want you to have access I want you to have access to every part of me, every part of my heart. I don't want to keep you on the front porch. I don't want to keep you in the living room. I want you to have access to all of it. I'm giving you all access. And there are people that hear this and they say, well, that's, that's, you know, that's an invasion of my privacy. Yeah, that's what Christianity was always supposed to be. A complete and total invasion of your privacy. And God is saying, I want access to all of it. And we talked earlier in our offering message about jealousy. And we'll talk some about it, I think, in the weeks to come. But the Bible says that God is a jealous God. And again, that word jealousy, it's, it's a little different than envy. God's not an envious God. God doesn't look at what somebody else has and say, oh, I wish I had that. No, but he can be jealous mm-hmm. because jealousy is the feeling that comes up when somebody else, somebody else has what belongs to you. And when you have given part of your heart to the world or to someone else or something else, and it's a part that belongs to him, he's a jealous God. He's saying, I want that back. I want all access to your heart. He's telling us, I want all access to this church. I want access to every room in this building. I want access to every family, to every marriage. I want access to the finances of this place. I want access to the vision of this place. I want access to the outreach of it. I want access to every service. I want access to every song. I want access to every word that comes out of your mouth. And we want him to have it. We want him to have it. How do we get that? How do we do that? How do we turn that over to him? Well, we don't get it by just saying, well, God's God. And if he wants to do something, he'll do it. No, we give him access by giving him what belongs to him, which is every room of the house, every chamber of the heart. When Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees and they said, what's the most important commandment in the law. And he said to love the Lord, your God with what? All All of it, Mm -hmm. all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. What are you saying? God, 
Here is your all access pass mm -hmm. to my heart, yeah. to my life, mm -hmm. to my family, my relationships, my finances, every part of me. I give you access to all of it. But what you can't do is be friends with the world and be friends with God. I think one of the big things the Lord's endeavoring to communicate through this particular line of study, Sarah, over the last several weeks is that this, this line we're drawing for our church, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, we are not trying to see how much we can look like the world. We're not motivated by it. We want it to look different. We were even commenting on this just a couple of days ago, Sarah and I went out to eat for lunch and we were part of the, in part of the city. It's really cool, like cool old buildings and cool architecture and, and just very, very fresh, very, what would you call it? Trendy. Trendy, yeah, it was cool. It was actually a kind of architecture Hipster. we've liked for a while. We see stuff like that, oh, that's neat. And I sat there thinking, you know, as much as we've, watched this trend and liked it over the years. I, th I said, I think it's interesting that the Lord did not lead us this way in the building of this church. Mm -hmm. And it's not because there's something wrong with that architecture, but I believe it's even just in a little thing like that, that the Lord say, no, I want it to be different. I want it to look like my house, mm -hmm. not somebody else's house, mm -hmm. my house. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let me read this to you from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says this in verse 1. It says, Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I think we could all agree we're living in perilous times. But here's the reason why. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, listen, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What he's saying here is that the reason that perilous times come in these last of the last days is because love is all messed up. Mm -hmm. Because love has been twisted. And instead of man, God's creation, loving him, they love the world, which is really to say they love themselves. Mm -hmm. They love themselves. They love money. They love pleasure more than they love God. And that's why there's a manifestation of darkness in the world and not a manifestation of light. That's why sin increases. But glory to God, even when sin increases, how much more does grace abound? But it abounds towards those who love God more. More than what? More than they love themselves. And I've said it for years and I'll say it again. A man does not cheat on his wife because he loves another woman more. A man cheats on his wife because he loves himself more. Mm -hmm. A woman is not unfaithful to her husband mm -hmm. because she's found another man she loves more. No, mm -hmm. she's unfaithful because she loves herself more. Mm -hmm. More than what? More than she loves her husband? Yeah. God. More than she loves her family? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. But bigger than that, more than she loves God. Mm -hmm. A man cheats because he loves himself more than he loves God, more than he loves the things of God, more than he loves the gifts of God, more than he loves the ministry of God, the place that God has given him, the kingdom of God. It's the love of self that is the love of the world. Mm -hmm. And love for God and love for self cannot live in the same house. Yeah. It's one or the other because God's a jealous God. Mm -hmm. God is a jealous God. Mm -hmm. Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter four and said, be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thought, right? To think that here's a guy who's, for lack of a better word, on Paul's team, on his staff, yeah. seeing things the world's never seen, hearing 
the revelation that would change the world forever, seeing miracles, watching the church of the Lord Jesus Christ go from nothing to massive. And he's seen it all with his own eyes. And still he chooses to leave that in pursuit of the world, in pursuit of the love of the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Listen, none of us are exempt None of us are above or beyond that temptation or that pull. But the way to overcome is through your love for God. Love for his word. Love for his church. Mm -hmm. Love of his kingdom and his people and his things. And it gives him access. And when you give him access, what you are enabling him to do is strengthen you to overcome every temptation. To strengthen you with more of His grace. We talked about that last week in Mm -hmm. church. Grace, grace, and more grace. Mm -hmm. How do you get that grace? You acknowledge it. I need the help. That's humility. And these things are an open door of honor that give God access into our lives. And one thing to remember, especially for young people, if you're watching this today, is that your whole life long, you know, I talked about that one moment of decision I had, but a whole lifetime, you're going to come face to face with many decisions to follow after the world or to, go with, or to walk with God. And you're gonna come face to face with temptation. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you're going to come face to face with a decision, a quality decision. And when you face that temptation, it's easier to overcome when you are in the right place at the right Right time, time, doing doing the right right thing thing with the the right right people. people. And, you know, as we've been meditating on this the last few days, I couldn't help but think about King David and how God called him a man after his own heart. He wrote the most beautiful songs to God. He had a love, a deep, a, a deep thing with God. And he came to a place in his life after much success, after um, uh, blessing blessing and favor and and power. Mm -hmm. He came to a place in his life where he was faced with another uh, opportunity to go to with the things of the world or to yield to the spirit and the lust of the flesh, all those things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And remember the story when he saw Bathsheba and he uh, broke his covenant and this thing with God that he had that was so deep um, in one moment with a woman. And then what happened after that to him where his family began to fall, began to fall apart, his children became wayward and there was, he opened a door of access to the enemy that shouldn't have been there. And he cut off access with God in that moment and opened up access to the enemy. Mm -hmm. Now, the only reason that that happened in his life, I believe, is because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. He was supposed to be off at war. God had called him to lead that army. He was supposed to be off serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. And instead, he was at home. And the thing that kept coming to me over the last couple of days was, I believe... He got lazy, lazy with the spiritual things in his life. You know, he's at home, not doing what he's called to do, not serving the Lord, um, just away from being immersed in his Mm -hmm. calling and immersed in uh, giving God that access in his life. And so he was at home at the wrong place at the wrong time and the wrong thing happened and it opened up a mess in his life. It opened up access to the destroyer to work in his life. And you think about that. You can't judge any man or woman in these situations because you, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know where they've been, but you can recognize from script. God gave us that in the word to see and to know. Here's an example. Don't do this. (laughs) Give me access. Mm -hmm. Don't give the enemy access. I was always thinking about, you know, as a young person, how do you do this with God? How do you start walking with God in this separated place, in this holiness, in this attitude of, I'm going to give my life 
for the things of God. How do you start? Well, I, I also was thinking about the story of Samuel, you know, when he's a little boy and he starts to, he's laying in bed at night and he starts to hear the voice of God. And what is that? That's the deep things in God are calling out for those deep things in him. God is calling him. Literally, if you say, you know, I have a calling on my life. Well, that's because God himself has called you out. He has called your name, Sarah, Jeremy. He's called us out. He's called our names and we had to come running. We had to come follow his voice when we heard him. And you know, like little Samuel laying in bed, he's laying there and he, in the nighttime, he starts to hear his name and he, he hears, almost, he's like, am I hearing a voice? And finally, one day he says, he recognizes that it's the Lord and he says, speak Lord for your servant is listening. Mm -hmm. You know, as a young child, if you're watching this, as a teenager, you need to begin to recognize the spirit of God calling you deep. The Bible says deep calls to deep. There's a deep thing in God. He's calling out for those deep things in you saying, come, I'm calling you. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a call on your life. I've separated you from my kingdom. I've called you out for holiness. I've called you up for my glory, for my pleasure and begin to recognize that. And when he speaks to you, just say this, speak Lord for your servant is listening. Do you know what God said to Samuel that night? Those who honor me, I will honor. Mm. So Those who give me access. Yep. I will take that access <laughs> and honor them. He said, though, that was that night. That night, Samuel, as a little boy, you know, those were some of the first words that little boy ever heard from God. Yeah. I believe those are some of the first words he would say to anybody who would say what Sarah said, Aunt speak, I'm listening. He's saying, if you want me to have access to you, to your stuff, honor me and I'll honor you. But then he said, those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And that doesn't mean those who necessarily hate me. It just means those who don't love, those who don't value. Don't give me much access. If you don't give him access, how can he honor you? And again, so many people are, are so deceived and they're thinking, well, God's God. And if he wants to, he will. That's not how this works. He wants to but he's got to have an open door. And that's what this series is about. Mm -hmm. That's what this church is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Opening up that door of access because we want God to go to work, not just in this house, but in yours. You. And not just in your physical home, but in the house of your heart. Yeah. I'm telling you, Jesus is standing there knocking. And if any man hears his voice, open the door but don't leave him on the porch. <laughs> I can just see it. I can just see Jesus like, so can I come in? And people are like, well, sorry, Jesus. It's kind of messy in here. Here's a, here's a powerful truth about this, that these, these places of access are like windows of opportunity. Mm -hmm. They're not always open. Yeah. They're not. Now, if you come before the Lord with a heart of repentance and say, Father, I've missed these open, I've missed these opportunities, these windows of opportunity. He will open to you. He will give you opportunity. But I was thinking about this too, as you're talking, remember in song of Solomon, when the Shulamite woman, um, she is, well, I'll just read this to you. This is so good. She's in her room and she hears her beloved at the door knocking. Mm. And he's knocking saying, open for me, my sister, my love. And that's like God drawing us into a deeper place. He says, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. And then she says this, she says, oh, I've taken off my robe. I'm making excuses. She starts to make excuses. How can I put it on again? I, I, have, I need to wash my feet and all these excuses. And, but she's saying my heart deep down, it says my heart yearned for him. Mm. That's something in you. And that's something in me where we're always longing to go deeper with God. And she's saying my heart yearned for him. Um, but I, I can't quite get to the door because I've got all these other things to do. But then by the time it says she gets to the door, she op I rose to open the door for my beloved. 
My handles were on the lock and I opened the door, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. Missed opportunity. A missed opportunity. And miss, I mean, she could have given him full access and she didn't. And so I know that sounds very hard to hear, even maybe um, too intense for some people to hear. But the truth is, these doors of opportunity, these windows of opportunity are only open for so long. And you want to be aware. You want to be spiritually aware and awake and alert to know it's time for me to give God more access in my life. And some of you may need to this week just say to the Lord, you know, we can do that today. Father, show me areas of my life where I've limited you and then show me more areas of my life where I can give you greater access, where I can give you all access. Amen. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we've heard your word today and we want to respond to it by giving you more and entire access to our heart, to every part of our lives. We want you to have access to all of it, Father. And if there's anything we've held back or been... Uh, slow to open up to you, we repent. In the name of Jesus, we repent and we ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we're ready. We are a church body and a family who is ready to go all in and to give all access to you, to your spirit. And even if that means you totally and completely invade our privacy and you look in every corner of our hearts, so be it. So be it, Lord. You have access to all of it. And we don't love anything more than we love you. Father, we don't love the world. We don't love the things of this world. We love you. you. And your word said that we couldn't be friends with the world and friends with you. So we choose you. To love you is to choose you. Just say it out loud right now, right there where you are, where you're watching. Just say it out loud. I choose you, Lord. I choose you, Lord. I choose your word. I choose your word. I choose your things, I choose your things. and your kingdom. Your kingdom. I choose you. I choose you because I love you. Because I love you. And you said, Lord Jesus. And you said, Lord Jesus, that if I would love you, that if I'd love you, you would love me. You would love me. And you would manifest yourself to me. And you'd manifest yourself. To I'm me. asking you. I'm asking you. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Through the open door of my honor. Through the open door of my honor. And my worship. And my worship. And my praise. And my praise. And my love. And my love. And as I draw near to you. And as I draw near to you. I know. I know. You are drawing near to me. You are drawing near to me. I want to be close. I want to be close. Closer with you. Closer than with anyone else. Than with anybody else. Closer to you. Closer to you than I am to this world. Than I am to this world. I love you more, Lord. I love you more. I love you more than I love this world. I love you more than I love this. I love you more than I love myself. I love you more than I love myself. I love you. I love you. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We do love you, Lord. Father, thank you for bringing us this far. We ask you for increased grace and strength and anointing to carry us all the way through to where we're headed in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for tuning into church this morning. Listen, before we let you go, let us just remind you again what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Good things, great things are right ahead of us. Next Sunday, November 22nd, we will be uh, in service again online at 10 a.m. But those who are a part of our service teams, if you've been assigned to a service team, and only those, um, we want you to be in service in the building with us. Be here at 9 a.m. next Sunday morning uh, for some training. Then we'll do service together and uh, we'll do the very same thing the next week as well 29th. on the 29th. Those of you, again, just those who are on a service team. And if you don't know if you're on a team or not, then you have not been assigned to one yet, but we'll get to that soon. And then Sunday, December 6th, these doors are open. We want you and your family to come. Now, here's the thing. I need to mention this as well. One service that Sunday morning, 10 a.m. We don't know yet how many will be here. If we need to go to a second service uh, the following week, we'll do that. And we're still, we're well aware that many people are still uh, 
requiring distancing and uh, the state of Colorado still is recommending uh, a mask order and so on. So we'll have masks available to anybody who wants to wear one. You can bring it, wear it, whatever, whatever you have conviction of in your heart, you do that. We'll do what we can to create a little bit of distance, but we don't know how many will be here in the future moving forward. We'll do our best to accommodate, but we feel like the most important thing is getting this church open and letting the word of God get into your heart and bring change into your life. So uh, Sunday, December 6th, 10 a.m., the doors are open to everybody. I will say this. Maybe don't call all your friends. <laughs> there will be a day where we'll be like, yeah, get them all in here. But right now, let's ease into this thing. I think sometime in the future, we'll do a grand opening and a dedication of the church to the Lord. And I'll have a wonderful time. I know we'll have a lot of friends and family that want to be here for that as well. But right now, just keep it between us. Maybe, can I say that? December 6th, that's between us. We want you to come and uh, be a part of service. If you've got any questions about it, be checking the website, follow us on social media and make sure you're signed up to receive email updates from us as well. Anything else? Church, we love you, we love you so much. <laughs> it's the honor of our lives to stand in this office and for the Lord to call us to pastor and for you to give us that place in your life. We're honored and we believe that the Lord has great things in store for us and for this friendship, this relationship uh, moving forward. We love you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.